sometimes I think back to that moment where I was at work and nearly just thought, don't send it, don't send the application. And that if I hadn't of, then all of these people that I've met who, you know, really clever people who've made me think in new ways, like I just, I wouldn't have had that. I am Ella Phillips and I'm from London and I'm currently working as the Community Programme Manager at October Gallery, a central London art gallery. I suppose I've always treated education as something that should be enjoyable, like I've always enjoyed learning and so that's meant that I've often started and stopped. So um, when I was doing my GCSEs, after that I took a year off and then I went back to do my A-levels and I did a weird mix, I suppose, because I combined maths, art, English and French. Um, I was really interested in language and the idea that I could try and learn another language and become fluent and what that would mean in terms of just understanding communication a little better. So then I went to university, went to the University of Kent and studied English American and French literature um, and the idea was to be able to study abroad for a year and really develop my language skills because I couldn't speak French at all in fact I was quite terrible um, <laughs> and then um, so during my studies I spent a year abroad um, in France and Lausanne in Switzerland and became quite fluent so I decided after my degree I would go back to France and teach English. So I uh, went to north of France and stayed there for a year teaching English to um, university students, graphic design students. So I'd always, from a young age, been writing or drawing or painting and, you know, making stuff out of rubbish, much to my mother's dismay, probably, filling the house with junk. But um, so during that year in France, I sort of had the space and time between teaching to really consider how seriously I wanted to take my art practice. Um, and I hadn't tr trained at university or done an art foundation, but it was definitely something that I enjoyed. So when I finished teaching in France, I moved back to London and decided that I would try and get more involved in um, the art scene in London. Um, but to do before doing that, I needed to get a job. So I got a job as a candidate consultant for a recruitment firm. Um, but I only lasted three months. Um, first I asked for a pay rise, which they gave me, but that wasn't enough to stay, so because it was just so soul-destroying. Um, very sort of profit-driven um, and, yeah, just quite a strange environment. So I decided that I would retrain as a locksmith and also get experience doing forestry work. I decided and to train as a locksmith because I thought that it could be, it was quite an unusual thing to do and that 
there was a course that I'd seen online while I was at this um, candidate consultant <laughs> job and I thought oh well that's a short course it would be quite an interesting flexible job you could fit it around your own uh, life and other jobs perhaps and you know quite unusual for a woman to do that job and maybe quite useful to have a female locksmith who could you could call um, to help you get in if you were locked out. Uh, so and I guess you can tell from my A-levels, I quite like mixing different things and not, because um, I, I suppose I find lots of things interesting. So as well as doing the locksmith thing, I was working as a florist and worked with lots of different florists around London, um, working on window displays and making bouquets to order. And that was really nice as well. I'm very creative and artistic. So in in one sense but so as I was doing the lock as I was training as the locksmith and working as a florist I was also um, studying at Camberwell College of Art so I decided to do a short course uh, which was instructing us how to use our art practice to teach so how to be an artist facilitator so it was a great course, really interesting, great people there, managed to get a bit of exp work experience while I was there as well. And it also inspired me to go to more conferences and networking events. So I went to an event at Tate Britain and it was all about um, taking risk in education and gallery education and spoke to some really interesting people uh, from Westminster Council and Whitechapel Gallery and got linked up with the curator of the community programme. And she was great and inv invited me to meet with her to talk about some of the opportunities of interning at Whitechapel Gallery. So I had a meeting with her and uh, she said that there were a couple of interns coming, uh, internships coming up. So the school's intern and the community intern. So I applied for the community intern and went for an interview and unfortunately I didn't get it. But the lady um, who interviewed me recommended that I go for the school's intern. And um, so then I got that position and was at Whitechapel Gallery for about six months um, for three days a week, working closely on the schools and family programme there. Um, and then they were amazing. They were really good at supporting me to gain experience and enable me to run some workshops. While I was there, they um, got me to uh, document uh, an artist in red residency programme too that they did in primary schools, which was great. And also to run an adult's uh, art group at one of the schools that they had a residency happening so this was all really great experience and using that coupled with voluntary work I've been doing using art uh, in a mental health context so all of this was gaining experience and being subsidized by the floristry. I gave up the locksmithing pretty rapidly <laughs> because it was actually, um, it was a great way to escape the previous job and to give me the impetus to leave. But then I found that working as a florist was subsidizing the work experience I was getting in the arts.
The internship at Whitechapel Gallery was unpaid and it was only supposed to be a three month internship but they asked to extend it. So I stayed for six months because I really enjoyed the environment and found that I learned so much while I was there. But for me it wasn't sustainable to be working three days a week unpaid. Um, I was working as a youth worker uh, but in the evening sometimes coordinating an arts programme um, and I was volunteering within the mental health sector using art and so I was learning lots of skills which was amazing but I'd, I'd sort of set myself this deadline that after six months I needed to move up to the next level where I was actually getting paid for the work that I was doing um, and so I was approached by October Gallery as a, an artist facilitator to run some workshops for them um, for a month working with schools and while I was there the job to manage their education program came up and the woman who was currently doing that job uh, recommended me to apply and thought that it would be something that I could be quite good at. So, I, you know, I was really excited at the idea of being able to use the skills that I'd learned while interning and volunteering and then suddenly have this opportunity to manage an education programme, which was a massive leap. And amazingly, I got the job. <laughs> I got the call while I was working at Freeze Art Fair and I was at the top of this scaffolding that was a giant art scoreboard <laughs> that we were having to flip metal panels around on and got a call finding out that I had this job which was great and um, started that in 2011 and what what was great about the gallery was that they very much said that the education department should be curated so that it's of interest to the person managing it. So as long as you're doing school workshops and family workshops, you can bring in what you're interested in. So I was able to initiate and fund a prison outreach programme where we were working with uh, families, visiting their mothers and fathers in prison and doing art workshops. I also worked with a disability charity called Action Space, who work with disabled artists and they're amazing. Um, working with Pan Arts, who work with refugees and managed to create a community-focused element of the programme, working with female survivors of human trafficking. And so there was suddenly all of these amazing things that I could do and I was given the freedom to. I just had to be able to write the funding application, secure the funds and then manage the project. So, you know, it was a massive learning curve and I was really lucky to be given the opportunity. And, you know, I, in, I think in 2013, I uh, won the Marsh Award for Excellence in Gallery Education. And so I was feeling really, you know, inspired and, and motivated. But there was still this part of me which was saying, you're in the arts now, you're working in an art gallery, what about your own art practice? Because you're around art, you're talking to artists, and you're using art to teach, but what about that more 
selfish maybe <laughs> interest of creating your own art and I suppose on one side I'd also felt a little bit fraudulent because I hadn't studied fine art I'd done an English degree and now I found myself in the art world without a qualification in art without training and so I kind of I had previously tried to apply for an MA um, and uh, got rejected. So at this point I decided I'm going to try again. I think I've developed my, um, my art practice, the ideas that I'm interested in exploring. I feel like I'm at a point where I just want to be able to focus on that for a bit. So it was quite nerve wracking and I almost didn't do it. I was at work and it was the deadline to hand in our application and things had gone wrong with the computer and and I was sort of thinking this is the universe telling me I shouldn't be doing this and then I just suddenly there was like just something in me that was like no you're gonna do it just get a bike courier to take it so that it gets there on time and so I got my application in I didn't get into my first choice but then I got an interview for my second choice which in the end turned out to be the best choice uh, in, in contrast to my first choice it was a two-year MA so I got two years to really immerse myself in art and make connections with amazing artists um, so did a two-year MFA Master of Fine Art at Wimbledon College um, met some amazing artists, worked on fantastic projects, managed to have work displayed at the V&A and at Canizaro Park and got to be part of loads of exciting exhibitions around London, got to do international residencies, link up with artist communities in Margate, managed to move my art practice on so dramatically where now you know, I'm making these interactive video installations that use text and sound and video, um, creating printed books, and um, I'm also realising how much collaboration is important to my art practice. So working as part of different collectives and teams of artists. So I, sometimes I think back to that moment where I was at work and nearly just thought, don't send it don't send the application and that if I hadn't of then all of these people that I've met who you know really clever people who've made me think in new ways like I just I wouldn't have had that that chance um, and having those two years the first year I spent while I was still working at October Gallery and studying I trained one of the volunteers at the gallery to cover some of my work. So I spent that year training up um, a volunteer from the gallery. Then they, um, after that first year, I went down to less days so that I was just maintaining contact with some of my key groups so that those relationships wouldn't disappear. Um, and uh, this other lady took on most of my job so I could focus for the last six months of the MA on that. 
and luckily I managed to get a scholarship for it so that financed it as well so that was important for me to be able to do that was to make that application um, and then so then at the end of the MA um, lots of opportunities opened up and I've you know been able to um, work as a curator at certain venues and have raised money from different councils to pay for that um, public facing work um, have also been funded as part of an art collective called Marion Fellini where we research into collaboration and film installation and we've been funded this year by O2 to do these community workshops interrogating collaboration and we've got two exhibitions coming up this year so suddenly from taking that two years of focus there are you know, almost too many things <laughs> that, that could be done. Um, so then after the MA, going back to work, I went back part-time because I knew that there was no way I could, having spent those two years exploring art, um, developing new project ideas, I couldn't then just shut that all down and spend all my time at work. So I've returned to the gallery for three days a week and it's enabled me, um, at the moment I'm doing an artist residency at Islington Museum. Um, there, I've just finished curating a three month art takeover um, of a venue in Balham, where, you know, over 25 artists were involved and it was, you know, crazy and fun, three months of events. But so having that part-time structure now enables me to work on the freelance um, art focused uh, stuff and still be able to survive <laughs> which is the hardest thing and I mean you, you don't know you just have to take that little there's always that moment where it could make a difference the decision that you make and you're never quite sure when that moment is and so I think just choosing the things that actually make you happy is like a really good, a good indication of what you should be doing. I started off um, as a painter, painting quite large, colourful portraits. And I, I think that especially if you haven't really studied art, that's like the first place you might start because it's easily accessible. Um, and then I started to get interested in this idea of uh, missing information and different perspectives and this idea that you can never have the full picture. So I was quite interested. I created a series of jigsaws that could be put together in different ways to create different images and started to make videos around that. I created some events, one called Games Night, where I became a scientist with a colleague and we experimented on people as they played different games and we gave them analysis of their personalities and, I mean, it was all fabricated, but it was really interesting to see how people bought into it, their reactions. 
I, a lot of the time I've been playing with physical space and digital space, so creating websites or um, Oculus Riff head video, sort of virtual reality uh, games. And so that idea of digital and physical space, what we inhabit, how it affects our behaviour, how the amount of light in a room or the width of the corridors might change how you feel and then change who you are even and so I'm really interested in that and using I guess from my English degree language and text as well as image so even in my videos there's always subtitles that might correlate with what's being said or might present a different perspective. From my point of view it's been useful to become quite proficient at funding applications because then you can make your own applications to funding bodies and get grants for projects that you want to do. So that's been great and if you can work collectively with people on that even better because I just find that more heads are better than one when it comes to funding applications. Um, so that's one avenue. The other one is to also have a part-time job. Um, to subsidise. But then obviously if you're working too much you don't have the headspace to even apply for different projects that you might want to work on. Um, so it is difficult but the benefits of freelance is that you do get a chunk of money at a time so if you can be careful with it you can make it last. So instead of maybe just getting you know, a thousand pounds at the end of a month, you might work sporadically for a couple of months and then get five grand or something and then you can make that last. So it's that kind of balancing it and maybe always having a little fallback so that if you don't have any income coming in either, you've maybe saved up before you've got to this point so you've got a little cushion or you do have a weekend job that you can do and it can make you a little bit of income. So I suppose it's just working that out, but you do need time to, to be creative and to think about what you want to do. And you're never gonna get there if you don't give yourself the time and you just focus on the finances. So it is a very tricky balancing act. But I guess as I mentioned before, doing what makes you happy is the most important thing. It's going to be good for your health, <laughs> you know, your, your physical health, your mental health, your personal relationships. <laughs> so make yourself happy and hope that the finances work out. <laughs> I have sold a couple, but not for anything of worth. The, the, the main way that, because of the kind of art I make, it's quite experiential, it's quite immersive. So, normally for the work I'd make it would be being paid through doing residencies or being paid by doing projects where I can make art and work with community groups and so I suppose it's finding a mechanism to generate money that suits your art practice if you make beautiful paintings you will be able to sell them 
But if you make weird video installations with like five different screens and weird objects, you're probably not going to just be able to sell those. You might have to work with organisations. I worked with like an architect firm and had an artwork in their foyer. So you might, there are different ways around it. You don't have to, you know, just make a certain type of work to be sustainable. I think it's quite interesting the day and age that we're living in now because the, the more people I talk to, the more working life is about setting up your own business, setting up your own networks. And being an artist is being a business. And I mean, that's what we tried to learn on the MA. And it, it's quite tricky to shift your mind into, you know, you're a brand as well. You're, you're sort of marketing yourself and your work. But this idea of setting up your own business and forming these networks, I, I suppose I see myself as working with more like-minded people on different projects that are going on to, to be involved in lots of different businesses and find a way for them to be sustainable and to, yeah, just connect with people who are interested in similar things, have similar ethics and motivations. So whether that's a venue that wants to put on events, whether it's um, an exhibition space or a community garden, uh, we're in talks with um, a vegetarian restaurant at the moment, so there are lots of different people who are doing really cool, interesting things, who are setting up different organisations and I think for me I see um, the future being investing my time and effort into these projects and ideas um, and not necessarily trying to work for a big company but having a more sort of grassroots beginnings to things where you can really grow something from the ground up and I suppose my experience has shown me that it's really possible to do that and that you can start projects and you can fund them and you can make them successful so if you can do that as part of an organisation, you can also do that on your own. At first, I did think it would have been great to have done an art foundation and to have known what I wanted to do, because then, at the point I'm at now, I, I, could, I could be even further ahead. But during the MA and through the conversations with people, it became apparent lots of people come from different backgrounds, different experiences, and actually that enriches the work. So now I see in my art practice the role of language and, and script writing and text. And I think, well, that definitely came from my four years doing this English and French degree. So I, I don't regret it at all now. I think that it's really useful to not go the direct route because then you end up in a place where you've got all of this really strange experience from you know for me like a locksmith florist teacher and to then be where I am I can bring all of that with me and if it was a more direct route I mean it, you you could I guess it's lucky if you really know what you want to do and it it could be great but at the same time maybe you miss out on making the mistakes working stuff out and I, I think, yeah, failure is really important and we should all embrace it because it's a learning experience. 
for the future, I'm really excited about the Marion Fellini project. There are four of us. Um, we have merged our names to create this new singular identity, who is Marion Fellini. And she's very successful. <laughs> she's more successful than us individually. Um, so I'm really interested in us developing our work. Um, our plan is we'd really like to create a publication which presents our research into collaboration. Um, a publication that's also a sort of art object book that, you know, that can be used to, I guess, un reveal the challenges and pitfalls that you might find if you're collaborating and be used by people. I think that that project, there's a lot more that's going to come out of that and it's uh, really exciting and really relevant I think. Um, Flack Group, the other collective I'm part of, we've uh, been commissioned to curate some more shows so I see the curatorial element of my practice um, coming out more and I suppose that coupled with events are also featuring as part of my practice. So creating these social events where ideas can be shared and having that as part of, I don't know, the, the artwork. So I suppose I'll keep doing that and I hope lots more residencies because they're perfect environments to just focus on an idea and really interrogate it. And normally I respond to sight so it's really great to be somewhere and then respond to that environment and see what, what comes out of it. So yeah, I hope, that, I hope for world travel <laughs> and uh, lots more exciting projects.